Welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. As always, it's me, your host Yusuf. For this episode, I'm joined by music producer Kareem. He discusses his story and how he got started in music and also provides some suggestions on how to break out in the music industry. Now we have a fun and interesting conversation for you guys. So without further ado, let's just get right to it. Kareem, welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. I'm glad to have you on, bro. I know you're a busy guy, so it's appreciated to have you on the show. Come on, you're my dog, bro. Come on now. Any Anything for you, fam. I appreciate you having yeah. me on, man. Yeah, no problem. But I want you to kind of take us to the beginning of your story and how you got started in music. Yeah, for sure. So pretty much, fam, like from an early, from an early age, I was always like a listener, always a listener of music. My cousins, my older brother... Uh, always used to put me on. Um, I was always a big Michael Jackson fan, huge Michael Jackson fan from a young age. From there, there was like Usher, Jodeci, John B, DMX, LL Cool J, One Twelve. All you know, list goes on. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. But always used to put me on to stuff like that, and even even a little bit of like you know, Garage, Craig David, Artful Dodger back in the days as well too. Always putting me on to to different different genres of music. From there, you know, just pretty much was a, was a keen, keen listener up until about, about, I was the age of like 14, I would say. I used to live in London. I was born in Croydon, lived there until I was about 11 and then um, lived in Sheffield, which is up north, which is a much smaller town. You know, they ain't really much going on over there. So very easy to get into, into bullshit and mischief and all that kind of stuff. But like from, from the age of 14, I remember what my brother he must have called me outside the crib and he was like, yo, you link up where, you know, we outside, we on the block. And then um, my bro, one of my boys, he was like, yo, you ever thought about getting into music and this and that? And I was like, nah, I ain't really, you know, I ain't really thought about that or anything like that. But the boys used to, you know, they had a, had a little spot where they would just all link up and like record, record like grime sets where they're all like spitting bars and stuff like that. So I, I was like, yo, I'll check it out. I'll pull up. Yeah, it was sick. So... I started like getting into like DJing these uh, these little these like gram sets and stuff like that in this little warehouse in, in Sheffield, and then um, it went from that to like writing my own lyrics for a few years to 17 years old. I would say picked up picked up producing, and then bro, from there it's like been producing since. Took it more seriously when I moved to Toronto when I was about like 22. I would say. Okay, so you went from UK to Toronto. Yeah, yeah, because one thing I got to say about England, that there is literally nothing, there was nothing going on when I was living there. So it was, it was about to be some bullshit bound to happen. So we made the decision to, that's not what I wanted my life to be. So I wanted to move to Toronto for different, different scenery. Makes sense. Yeah. Here you are in Toronto at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah, so, that was around like 2012. It was a 14, something like that. Okay. So yeah, how yeah. did so from there at that period of time in your life, how did you find being new to the city, having this background of being a DJ and a music producer? How did you find yourself getting into the music scene here? Honestly, bro, it was more so like through through like a random Random link up. I must have. One thing I gotta say about when I was when I first moved to Canada, it was I was just kept my head down and just try stack some bread. And then I must have like I must have linked up with one 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 girl or something on on uh, on Instagram and and she told me to pull up to like a party. And then um, after that, it was kind of like I linked up randomly with with Bills. And then Bills kind of like you know from there kind of. We linked up with like Adrian Duncan, and then we linked up with Eleven Eleven and and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anytime there's a party in the city, I'll just call Aaron. You know? He knows. <laughs> Bro, I, you already know. You already know. <laughs> yeah, he's. Yeah, a- it was it was random as hell. It was really random. Yeah, because I was I wasn't thinking about music when I first moved to Toronto. I was just thinking about yo, I gotta get up out of the of my bullshit habits. And then once I was in the groove of things and started to make friends out there and, um, you know, start to like know the city a little bit more because it was, it wasn't easy, bro. Like for the first, 
first three months or something like that, I was a shell of myself. I didn't, I didn't really step outside the crib or outside of work. I was working at my cousin's restaurant. And yeah, I didn't really step outside of that. So what was the moment for you when you finally decided that, okay, I have some breathing room now? Mm-hmm. Like, because you mentioned earlier that you want to stack your bread and, you know, you want to survive, right? Yeah, of course. So, you, know, you know, the city ain't cheap. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it's, not, it's not getting cheaper, bro. Mm-hmm. So what was that moment for you when you had enough breathing room where it's like, okay, now I can start to take uh, music more seriously? I can't, I can't honestly say. Like, the, I think the time when I started to take it a lot more seriously is when... Um, me, Aaron, and Adrian decided to get a studio like 2015 and we recorded Adrian's project. And from that point, I can say I started to take it a lot more seriously. And I started to feel like, oh, yeah, this is, this is, this is what we're about. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. I would say, uh, yeah, I would say it was like 2015 when we got the studio. Okay. And yeah. that's around the time that I met you. I met you summer 2015. Yep, yep, yep. It was and- around that time. And that was around the time Adrian was doing uh, tape quality. I remember we, that's the studio we recorded at. Yeah, so I yeah. met you. I met you through Bills. Yeah, yep. and at that at that time when I met you, you were DJing a lot of events, and I would come out to some of those events. Yeah, um, I remember and, that those club nights. Yeah, and also too at that time you were also doing a little bit of artist management. So yeah. Yeah. You was. Were, yeah. So you were wearing many hats at that time. So what was the period? When you said, okay, I'm just going to... Because at that time, from what I remember, you were spreading... Like, you were really spread out. Like, you were yeah. all over the place doing many different things. Just trying to establish your footing. I Yeah. And you know what the craziest thing is, fam? Like, looking back at it, I honestly wish I stuck to one of the things and just did that, like, 100% at the time. But at the same time, I am, I'm grateful that I was able to do that and learn a lot because I learned a lot of stuff um, during that time, how to not just, you know, maneuver conversation with, you know, when you're in certain rooms. And, and also I learned a lot of um, stuff about the business yeah. and kind of like how I want to operate myself as a producer and, and how I want to like be more, see the mistakes that I made and, and correct them but stick to one one side of things, but knowing how to run all the other side of things so you don't get f***ed over because this business is slimy. Um, but yeah, it's interesting you do mention, you did mention that it is a business and the business is slimy, which we're going to get into a little mm. bit later in our conversation. I, I got to say, it though, it's, it's slimy only if you allow it to be. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so if you want to kind of uh, elaborate on that a little bit. I, I just feel like if you establish you know, certain relationships with people in a certain way and also knowing that you, you gotta, you gotta really know your bro. You really gotta know your And, you know, when you're speaking and to, to certain people and, you know, you, you elab- elaborate on certain aspects about the business and stuff like that, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta be articulate and know what the you're talking about before you let fly out your mouth. You know what I mean? And, it, you know, being that, being that student, like, I, even for me, like, I don't really know everything, but I, I'll know my place when that time comes. And I feel like, you know, I might be trying to, I might be overstepping, you know, my knowledge a little bit here. Let me, let me sit back and be a student for a little bit and listen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I would say that, man. Yeah, it was wearing those, wearing all those hats kind of blessed me in a way of, of, of knowledge. But... If I look back, I, I, I wish I would have been able to, like, be able to learn those things on the side of things rather than trying to execute within those, within those fields. Do you know what I mean? I would, have, yeah. I would have rather just, like, studied it and stuck to, stuck to the one thing which I loved. But, and then I felt like I would have learned a lot more and instead of playing catch-up on the technical side of producing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. The only thing I'll say is, and I think, and I think you didn't have much of a choice when it comes to having to wear all those hats, because mm-hmm. anytime you're starting out in business, right? And I can even say from experience, like you know, with my writing and with this podcast, yeah, 
is you're always on your like you start off on your own so you 100 percent. so you literally have to juggle all these things like it's on your shoulders to do those things so you're responsible for like i guess in your case the production the marketing the networking Mm -hmm. all that stuff falls on your shoulder so you don't have a choice you have to be you have to spread yourself thin and the mm-hmm. thing is, yeah, you can outsource this, but you don't want to start a business coming out of pocket. No. Well, I mean, we were coming. I mean, at that time, though, bro, like, I got to say, like, you, that, that, comes with, that comes with the program. Like, no matter what you, yeah. no matter what you, you, you put it into, like, not everybody's going to give you a handout. Like, even if you're in the streets, you, you know, like, your first zip going to cost you 200 out your pocket, <laughs> whether you got it or not. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? So, certain costs, yeah. Certain costs you can't avoid, like studio time. Yeah, like the mixing, studio, we was mastering. paying, we was paying like fifteen hundred for the for the amount of hours we were getting. But we was getting like we were getting a lot. I was in that studio, and it we was I was learning, bro. That was like the first time I even engineered any <laughs> sort of level of project to mix any sort of level of music in my life. You know, it, I from that came a new platform a new door like a digital work audio workstation that i could that i could work from from that came understanding you know mixing plugins and compression and this and that and blah blah all that kind of boring stuff that you know we don't even need to get into but all that came from that time that i spent in those studios adrian will tell you that yeah bills will tell you that i was i spent the most time in there adrian obviously was with me because me and him used to live not too far from each other. So we would drive down together. Damn near, I'd be falling asleep on the, on the desk while this nigga recording. <laughs> you've always been a workaholic, bro. Even now, to this day, you've achieved, you know, you've achieved a level of success and notoriety within the business. And you're still going hard the same way. So to me, that's, that's something that I really respect, that you never took it for granted. And you've never took your foot off the gas. Like, you're still going hard and you still have that hunger. The craziest thing is not, I mean, I can't speak too much on them, but I feel like I don't even know like why in a sense, because I haven't even had no major, major placements come out yet. Obviously there's some that I know that are due to come out, but I work, bro. (laughs) You know, whether I'm, whether I'm networking or whether I'm in the studio cooking up, like one thing I'm doing is either practicing my craft getting better at it every single time and, and focusing on the love of that. And then doing that with like-minded people that I, you know, develop a relationship and genuine friendships with too now as well too. Like that's, that's something I'm grateful for, bro. So as of right now, like at the stage that you're at, what are some challenges? And this could be even in the past or even like present day right now. Mm -hmm. What are some challenges that you face or previously faced while trying to navigate in the music industry? Oh, staying motivated when stuff like a record that you thought was going to happen falls through. Like, that's very demotivating. That's, that's definitely the, the hardest thing. But that, especially when, like, records fall through and, you know, sample, sample didn't get cleared or blah, 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 whatever, whatever the reason is. That's 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 a little demotivating. Um, another one is when you you have like a blackout period where you don't know what work is coming in or what to submit for, and having direct relationships with an album that you really want to get on and blah. You know, those are come some of like some of the challenges that you might face. Like so, in moments like that. So, for example, when you mentioned like the blackout period where there's I guess moments of uncertainty. Yeah or inconsistency mm-hmm. how how do you find that you adapt in scenarios like that do you know what i do bro get better yeah <laughs> try try and get better bro obviously there's there's you can you can make fire shit right you can make fire the most fireest beat but one thing about music it's like it only that think of when you think of it this way when you think of that beat that you just made like it took that environment, that mood that you was in, you clicked the right instrument at the time of the idea, like all of those things, all those micro details come into consideration 
when you when you put together like a final piece of music. You know what I mean? If I was pissed off that day, if I made a beat and I made that beat in a happy mood, what if I was pissed off that day? You know what I mean? I wouldn't have probably made that beat. Yeah. So you got to think of it when you're submitting music to like these artists. That moment that you send that email or that moment that you text that beat over to the artist or the songwriter or whoever it may be, all of these things come into consideration when you send it. So I might send a beat and that person might be in a pissed off mood, but I sent them a happy beat and they're like, nah, fuck this shit. But maybe three months later, four months later, you probably try again and send that beat again and maybe they're in a different mood. You know, you gotta, you gotta kind of like maneuver it that way. And I would say... That's, that's real tough, man, because you, 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 could, you could find a beat that fits perfect for this artist and then just because their mood is not right at the moment that they listen to that beat, that they pass on that beat and, you know, you're left with the what if. Yeah, that, that's, I would say that's, it's, it's a really challenging thing about music because it, the music is so attached to emotion and also attached to really trust and relationship. Like, am I going to trust you enough to send that beat in for so-and-so? Am I going to trust you enough and is our relationship tight enough that you would even feel like you want to put your name on, some, on, on one of my shits? You know what I mean? That's, that's really what this music industry is, is about. That's how, that's how records get landed. Yeah, see, it's interesting to have this conversation with you because there's a lot yeah. of different nuances mm-hmm. and things within the music industry that many people don't know about, right? Yeah. Like, for me, like, even for myself, through my writing and through the podcasting and, like, just talking to people, talking to people within the industry, you get a general idea, but then there's so little, like, there's so many details that you that we're not aware of Mm -hmm. as just people who are fans of the music or of consumers of the music. Like there's a whole other business side to it because it's a very multi-layered detailed thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many things that are like attached to, I mean, who said it, who said it? Somebody said music was like 90% business, 10% talent. That's 90% business. It is in a way. But that 10%, bro, has got to be undeniable. Like, the one, unless you with the artist yourself or you with the, you know the engineer going to be pulling up the records or the songwriter going to be in the rooms where they're going to play the stuff. If you send it to A&Rs and managers and this and that, bro, like, the music got to be undeniably good. Like, it's got to be standout-ish. These artists don't want b I know how important B-side records are or, like, you know, album fillers and stuff like that. But that's, that's the only way you're going to get those is like with the songwriter in the room with the artist or that you're working with or, the, you know, you in there with the artist yourself and you, y'all, y'all have that relationship where y'all working like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what you said earlier is actually, um, so the music is 90% business, 10% talent. So it's actually Pitbull that said <laughs> You already, you, you see it, Mr. But International. But that's a guy who understands the business side of things. Yeah, I mean, and you know, like his 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 formula got a his music got a formula for his fan base. Like, yeah, he got a, he got it down. He got his he got his producers. He know who we're going to. Like, that's a well oiled machine running now. You know what I mean? You see, yeah. Like, when I hear you talk about like beat making and production, I think about that Kanye line. What's where that? he, where he, it was in Spaceship of college uh, dropout when he's like, you know, lock yourself in a room doing five beats a day for three summers. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always liked that line because it showed the level of dedication that you have to have, not just in music, but really in any craft, like how focused you have to be. Yeah. And that's what you started doing. And to this day, you're still doing it. Yeah. That comes more from, from a, uh, a love of it than, um, I would say, let me practice my craft. Although yeah. I should, I should do that. But the thing about me, bro, is like one thing I, I the one thing I, I find a lot challenging as well too is um, sometimes I need to, when you when you working in the same room and you and it's you solo in that room. Sometimes it's tough to to learn new things or you know pick up new 
technique or tricks or something like that that you might you might you might get from collaborating you don't do that a lot in in new york la a lot a lot more atlanta yeah toronto depends i would say that that's that's another challenging thing is you know collaboration is really the way i learn i don't i can't sit and like watch a youtube video for like 20 minutes on on how to do something First of all, I'm not even gonna know what to type. I'm 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 extremely self-taught when it comes to music. Yeah. So you mentioned um, collaboration, mm-hmm. and I do see sometimes, like on social media, that you are doing some collaborations with other producers. Sometimes some artists. Yeah. Um, so who are some of those producers and some of those artists that you uh, collab that you've collaborated with so far? In terms of producers that I like to work with, I got to shout out. Uh, Jonathan Watts, that's that's my bro. We work, we've worked a lot from early days. Um, it's Ashley though; she's incredibly talented producer. We've been working probably the most recently. Me, me and her have been collaborating, and and that comes from even me like making melodies and flipping flipping you know original samples and stuff like that, like creating those compositions. And then she would drum over them or, or I would make a skeleton and then she would like wrap it up or vice versa. She, you know, she'd do the same thing through me. And then I would add like keys or something like that over, over beats. But that's, that's, it's really dope because I get to pick up on, on certain nuances that they do as well too. I guess that's one thing that's COVID's helped with, you know, a lot more like virtual, virtual work. But that's um, obviously business boy, and and uh, I got to shout out Darrell Rideout as well too. I linked up with those the the bros, um, Biz. I know for a few years now. Darrell um, linked up with him earlier this year, and uh, we made some fire, man. But there's too many. I I feel like I've missed out so many names, but there's 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 more. <laughs> there's yeah, way more well, than that. Yeah. Well, shout out to all of them. Yeah. The ones you mentioned and the ones that you didn't mention. Mm-hmm. But like just hearing you give me that list, you know, kind of reminds me of, and this is back when you were in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You left in 2016. Ye- I, 2016, 2017, I think. 2017. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when you were leaving, we chilled, I think, yeah, a couple did. of nights before you were going to leave. Yeah, because you could come out. Yeah, and I remember we were having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you were telling me, man, I'm so nervous to go out to New York. You don't know what it's going to be like. Like, you're worried about, like, meeting new people and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I told you, I'm like, bro, you're the kind of person, doesn't matter where in the globe you get dropped off at, you will find your way to network and meet people. And you went to New York, and that's literally what you did. <laughs> so- bro, you know, the craziest thing is I remember that conversation, bro. Oh, man. Yeah, man. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't be doing this all over again. And you know what, though? For the first few months, it was like that, bro. It was tough again for the first few months, but you meet one person, you meet... Funny enough, I met Jonathan that, that same month. I met him that same month at, at a Christmas party. Really? Yeah. So that, that, was- month, that month I left, it was like November 30th. It was like December 20-something. I think it, I was met- end of, it was end of 2016 going into 2017. Oh, yeah, you're right. You actually are right. Yeah, 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 it was, it was, it was. Yeah, man, yeah. Now I, now I got friends all over the States. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say I, friends. People I know. I got, yeah. I, but I got, I got, like, some good, good, real good friends in, in different states. Yeah, but, but that's just the kind of person that you are. I think you're someone that really knows how to uh, cultivate relationships and maintain them as well. Appreciate and I think. It, bro. Yeah, and I think that's part of your character from like having dealt like having dealt with you all these years. But mm-hmm. I think also too a part of it also too is like what you learn from your experience being in the music industry. You know what it is as well too, bro. I ain't done nothing but be myself, bro. That's the key. That's the yeah. key to everything. That authenticity. Yeah, I ain't done nothing but be myself. You gotta learn how to maneuver conversation, but that that comes with a lot of like listening and taking in other people's cultures, especially because, you know, Toronto and America, that's two different cultures to England. Although it's like the same, they speak the same language. Our banter is considered like disrespectful in in like Canada, for example. Like I couldn't joke the way I used to joke in, in like, you know, how I would with my boys in England. 
certain people won't take it the same way. You know, I guess a lot of practice and, and not practice, patience, patience and understanding. Yeah, I find that's the best way to deal with people, I think. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of the industry, I think. Like one thing I find is that sometimes you might find practices that work in one industry. Yeah. But they can be transferred to other industries as well. So I think patience and understanding, I think, is a universal thing that you can apply to business relationships, personal relationships, mm -hmm. and just dealing with others, right? But you mentioned yeah. the cultural differences between you know, the UK, America, and here. So since you've lived really in all three major hubs, like what would you say, like you kind of touched on this a little bit, but if you want to expound more, like what would mm -hmm. you say are some of the similarities and the differences that you found having been somewhat involved in the music industry in all three places? Everything revolves around relationships, bro. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything does. In England, I can't really speak on England just because I've never really been involved with the industry. I was never involved with like London mainstream industry like that. I was always involved with like the stuff within the city. It was kind of like that more than it was, oh, like this label and that label and this management company or this manager in general or you know, this A&R and that A&R, this publisher. And it wasn't, it was never like that in England. It was, it was just music. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? So it was more like grassroots in England. Yeah. And then, okay. and then um, in Toronto, again, it was more, more was done on the like creative side of, of things. So like, you know, I would meet the artists through planning those shows and, that you you know that we used to do, me me Bills Ty guy and, and and Adrian, and then through that like collaborating that way, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, those were some fun shows. I remember there's that one show, was it uh, Rivoli? Yeah, and Adrian was opening for Eleven Eleven. I remember then, that one. Yeah, that was a good show, and I think Adam pulled up too. Yo, that I, who else pulled up? I think Patrick Patterson from the Raptors. Yeah, he pulled did. Up. Yeah, bro, you know what's so crazy? Actually, I was like standing there. I was standing at the front, mm -hmm. and then literally, I just look beside me. I see Patrick Patterson. I do a double take. I look again. I see it's him. Bro, that was a packed show. Yeah, that that show was crazy, bro. I remember we're like that was front before, to back. Yeah, I remember even before the show started, we were like all just backstage hanging out. Yeah, like it was it, it was a good vibe, bro. Bro, I yo, you know we just. We bumped heads, man. We bumped heads a lot. Yeah. But like it was it was it was good and we made we we had some fun with it. And mm -hmm. you know, those are still my bros. All yeah. of them are still my bros. Like, but we did we did bump heads when it came when it came down to certain things. It's all good. I, obviously, you know, I ain't gonna speak on too much like whatever's private is private, but of course. Um I got <laughs> man, we if we had the certain relationships with certain venues and and promoters and stuff like that, man. Man, we would have we would have did some damage, bro. Yeah, we would have did some damage in the city. It would have it would have been like a those shows would have been like a staple in the city for real. Yeah, you know what I think. Yeah. What I think it because is. we pulled we had L, we had L A pull up, we had Shaka's dope pull up, we had uh, who else did we have? We had um, Drew Howard, eighty eight yeah. um, Camino. Yeah, we had him pull up at one point. There was one show you guys did, the Easter weekend, and then I think you had Free A. Yeah, we had Free A pull up. There was up a Free too. A performance too. Yeah, it was yeah, those. We yo, had those, free a pull up. those events were God huge, bro. That. And then there was one, I think, top five. Uh, no, we did Puffy L's. Okay, so I think this is after you had left then, because um, yeah. there was one that Aaron did. It was a uh, top five. They called it the Eid Show at uh, the Smiling Buddha. So I think this is after you had left. I think this was 2017. But the shows you guys were doing before were... Wait, you were said at the Smiling Buddha? Smiling Buddha, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was there. Yeah, no, I think, I okay. That so that was after you had left at that point. So I think that one, yeah. that one Aaron... I think that one Aaron did on his own. Aaron got links, bro. Yeah, but like before those ones though, like when you were in the city... Yeah, so those, those, those events used to be crazy, bro. They used to be packed. That's what I'm saying. Those um, were moments. We, we in, had those were moments in history, bro. No politics, no, no, nothing outside. Every every cool crowd, everybody good, everybody enjoying themselves. Yeah, 
And you know, like usually sometimes, like when you pull up to parties, they always have that little thing. Like for me, I always have this thing. Like sometimes you got to watch over your shoulder because you don't know who's there, you don't know who's coming, right? Of course, of course. But the vibes at those ones were never like that. It was no. first of all, it was like eighty-five percent girls. <laughs> like, pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was R and B shows. Yeah, pretty, and then yeah. the other fifty percent was dudes, but it was like it was cool dudes. You know what I mean? It was like dudes who yeah. were on our level, so they were yeah. really into that kind of stuff. Nah, it, so was it was never just, that. It was never that. It was never that. But I mean, even I mean, just learning that, bro. Like, I, I just learned that space a little bit more, like how to converse with with how to book a venue, you know, and put on a show. Like that's that, that's a skill learned within itself. You know what I mean? But see, you had to do that at that time. Yeah, because that was just it was a necessity. Yeah, you were the producer. Then you were managing careers at that point. Yep. But I think now you've reached a space where you can kind of more just focus on your craft and the business side of your craft without having to wear too many hats. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, bro, I can't believe it's been five years since we were doing those events. Like six years, five years. Like it's crazy, bro. How much the time flies. You you start to notice that when those when those gray hairs start flying through the beard. <laughs> I only I Trust me, one, bro. I only have one in my chin, bro. My chin hair, I only have one single gray hair. Man. So, you gotta catch up, bro. <laughs> nah, I'm good with one <laughs> night. I'm good. But, so how's the city been like for you, bro? What's going on? Like how how's it been? Bro, you know it's so crazy because I'm like interviewing you now. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay, bro. That, that's, what, that's what conversation is about. It's crazy because this pandemic feels like it's been going on longer than just a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, honestly, it's just really been about, like, just networking yeah, and, and just building. Like, one thing that I'm finding is I'm finding that now there's more spaces yeah, and more avenues for creatives to kind of explore, right? For sure. But... You know the city, there's always been this thing of gatekeeping. And I think even yeah. though there's more channels, there's still a little bit more gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think now there's more people who are trying to break down those barriers. Yeah. But it's still an uphill climb. But it is getting better. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we, we feel that way, you know pretty much all the time when it comes to music like you feel like yeah. somebody's like holding holding the keys to somebody or something yeah or they're trying to or they have someone in mind that they already want to put on yeah so, yeah or or they or or they already have their go-to producer or they have like the sound that they're looking for already and they really need to like experiment more but the one thing i hate um i guess the transparency level is not good, like enough. Like you could, you could tell me something's trash, and I'm a, I'm gonna go back and make something better. You know what I? Or try and make something better. You know what I mean? Or this ain't what you're looking for. But that the, the ignorant shit, I, I don't. But I, I get it. I get it. They're probably having to do that with like hundreds of people, maybe a day. So you know, everybody depends on who's on dem- who's in demand. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, to be fair, bro, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't like gatekeeping. I don't consider myself a gatekeeper. Yeah, but I see both sides of the spectrum, so it's weird because, like, I do my writing, mm-hmm. but then I also I do the podcasting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes, as a writer, like you know, when I have my books or I have my blog, like you try to market to people, you try to like reach out to certain platforms. Yeah. And then that's where you find, like, the gatekeeping happening. But then on the other side now, having a podcast, you might have people that want to reach out to you to say, oh, promote my thing. Put me on your thing, right? Like, put my music on your podcast? Yeah, or, like, interview me and talk to me so I can promote it. But it's like I've never really heard of you or I just I'm not into your music. Yeah. So now it's like, in a way, I'm gatekeeping. The question is, do you do you? respond back with something critical or do you respond or you don't respond back at all so for me i will respond because like i don't i personally don't like having un unresponded to emails like i don't yeah. like when i send out emails because it does take a lot of courage it does 
to send out an email and reach out to someone, right? So I will respond and I'll just kind of tell them, look, as of right now, like, that's not the direction I'm trying to take this thing in. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe in the future, I'll reach back out to you, right? Yeah, makes sense. But now it's kind of like I'm seeing both sides of the spectrum. So I can, not saying I agree with the gatekeepers, but sometimes I can somewhat see where they're coming from. Because it's really hard with the amount of content that's out there. It's really hard to decipher who's serious and who isn't at times. Yeah, but at the yeah, I get I get that. And also sometimes un- unsolicited, where you might be at a stage or a point like where you don't have to even take interest in unsolicited work at all. Unless you you know, I know there's certain producers out there right now that get samples sent to them every single day Mm -hmm. and they'll only take the ones of the names that they're familiar with you know what i mean and you see and now that's the thing so it's like by us doing that are we perpetuating a greater problem or Um, is it you know what i mean like it it creates that dilemma now right where yeah it does it does but at the same time like the way the way i I see both sides. I agree, but I see both sides. And I think I lean, this is where I lean more on the other side, especially when you're in demand and you are being, the phone is ringing, the emails are coming in, the text, I need this, I need that, I need that. At that point, you got to work efficient, bro. You don't have, you only have only so much hours in a day. And at the same time, worrying about, you know, maybe not worrying about, but like taking into consideration things like, all right, am I going to, the level of inspiration you have in that moment, the mood that you're in in that moment, oh, oh, always reverse back to that. And then at that point, are you going to, if you're feeling inspired, are you going to take the risk of listening through a bunch of samples that you know that, that might potentially all be trash and throw you off? Or are you going to go to the names that you know that's going, that's going to give you some shit that, that you, can, you can get this stuff done as quickly as possible while you're in the mood to get it done? You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually yeah. I have a story actually I have a story related to that. And it somehow actually connects to you. So it's interesting that the conversation <laughs> is going here. Mm-hmm. So I think you remember actually, because I remember you congratulated me on this, but I did an interview with an artist, uh, Jess Chase. Yeah, like, yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, it was a while back. Mm-hmm. You're tied into it somehow. So so yeah, I just got an email. I got an email at that time. And then they were saying to me, like, he's having an album release party. And then, you know, we would like for you to be in attendance. so You can cover the event and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. But at that time, I had to go to Austin. I, I, I was booked to do a book festival in Austin. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to make it, but I told them I can't be there. But instead, I, like, we could at least arrange an interview. Right. Mm-hmm. And I heard the name Just Chase before, but I'll be honest, I wasn't too, too familiar with, with his catalog. Yeah. But the- at the time, he probably only had that one or two songs out. Yeah, but they were blowing up. And I think one of them reached Billboard or something. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I responded to that email, because I would have, I was, I was going to respond to it eventually, but the reason why I put the urgency and the thought into actually responding as quick as I did mm-hmm. is because they mentioned he worked with a producer, uh, Yonatan Watts, or Yon, am I pronouncing Yonatan. that right? Yonatan, Yonatan, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. His name, his name, the name Yonatan Watts was mentioned. Yeah. So I remember I immediately made the connection. Okay, that I always see Kareem mentioning his name. Yeah. So there was that familiarity there. So that's why I responded in the manner that I did. Mm-hmm. And why I said I couldn't make it, but I came up with an alternative. So it's like you're saying, people will have that familiarity. Yeah. But you would have seen, and, and if... The name connection there didn't spark that thought for you. You probably would have passed on it, right? Not necessarily passed, but I would have had to like do a little bit more research on him. Mm-hmm. Like probably so, rather than responding in the time frame that I did, I probably would have responded a little bit later after doing more research and debating. Okay, do I proceed? Do I proceed? Like I'd have to think yeah. about it. But because yeah. of that name recognition and that familiarity, like seeing that you were name, more open to it. I was open to it. So I was like, okay, yeah, so I can't make it, but I presented an alternative to at least mm. try to be, to make a comprom, like to be compromising. And I mean, yeah, you can see both sides. The only thing I would say that I, 
that I kind of agree with you on that I don't like is if someone reaches out to you through email, at least acknowledge it. For sure. Not responding to an email at all to me is a little bit unprofessional. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to be respectful of the person too. Like it can hurt morale and it can be, like you said, discouraging. I see another side to that as well too. Like imagine somebody gets 100, 200 emails a day, bro. Yeah. It's hard to keep up with, bro. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And for that's where like certain things get a pass. And you know, the the what I think I I think Ilmine said this, the producer. He was like, "Yo, don't just don't don't like send a pack and then ask for a follow up from the like. Did you listen to it or this and that? Send just send another pack in. Just keep yeah. just keep sending packs in. I did that, you know, with with um." LA, like the the artist, he ain't really one in really a, like a conversing kind of guy. But I would just send him beats, bro. I would just send him beats. I'm like, we ain't gotta like go back and forth about you know whether you listen to it or not. It's it's on your phone, so more than likely you probably listen to it. And you ain't feeling it, you don't need to respond. All right, cool, bet. I got that understanding, so I just kept sending beats. And then at that point, when I'm like sending beats, he started like, you'll send like one reference back. And I was like, oh, so is, you know, picky guy likes his, he likes what he likes. You know what I mean? So that's instead of, you know, feeling like demotivated about them not, not responding to your emails or you know, texts or whatever, yo, shoot another pack over, bro. Like, <laughs> send, send some more fire. Just keep sending the fire through. For me, I would say I would say I agree. Don't don't get discouraged because someone doesn't respond to the email or mm-hmm. some you had high hopes for something and it didn't work out the way you wanted to. Because a majority, I could imagine, in the music business and really any industry, is you got to be resilient. Of course. So if it doesn't work out that way, then maybe it might work out another way. So you got to have that resilience. I would say. For sure. So with that being said, actually, I think that. This kind of is a good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a moment in your career where you learned something the hard way that you look back on and then you wish you had someone who could have advised you or told you like they could have told you sooner so you didn't have to learn the hard way? Yeah, but it's definitely something that I wouldn't want to talk about in public yeah. because it's so personal. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, though. I respect yeah. that. There's one thing I've I've learned about this business as well. Some things I got I really gotta keep to myself. No, that's I, I respect that, bro. Like violations, that. but all in all, like learn you learn from it and you move on. It's part of the game, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charge you to the game. That that's all you can do, bro. Like even on my end too. Not relating to the music industry, but like even navigating like the industries that I'm in, I see a lot of the politics and I see certain things. I'm like, man, like I wish someone could have told me it would have been this way, but you learn at some point. Know what I mean? Yeah. One thing that I'm sure you get asked a lot from artists and other producers, especially you know as you start progressing in your field, mm-hmm. is you get asked that question: How do I get on? So when people ask, I, it's not always a straightforward answer, and each person's journey is as unique as the person themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get posed this question, how do you answer? Yo, it's a, it's tough. The only thing I can say is. Take take the necessary steps that you need to 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 be put in or, or get a chance to be put in certain be in certain places, man. The way I the way I see it, let me explain this in a good in a good way. The way I see it is, if I wasn't in this place and knew that person, when I get to that place, am I going to be able to be in the room with that person? And work with so and so, for example. Like, it, like I'm being my vague, but the, I'm trying to explain it in a way where it's like, you gotta like, a b, be good enough that somebody's gonna trust you to put you in those rooms. So you gotta have the catalog and the fire, you know, on deck, uh, or you can do it from scratch, like on deck. And two, you gotta be visible. You gotta be like, you know, if so and so's working on the album. In L.A., are you going to be in L.A.? Or are you going to be in New York? You know what I mean? 
you got to be willing to take that step to like go to those places and like network and work with the people and showcase as much fire as you can so that you know people people going to hear about you it's all about you know who knows you as as much as it is who you know so i would say that that's that's important that's how you get on you got to be likable too (laughs) shit you can't be asshole and you know what's funny is like people always say business is never personal and i think that's one of the biggest myths business is always personal Especially, especially music business, because you won't get business done unless they know you personally. I, I, I can, I can see that, and I, it, it's something that I've observed too, like in mm-hmm. certain spaces. And I don't have to get into all that, but yeah, it's definitely there is always a personal element to business. Yeah, yeah, there always has been. And for the first part of your answer, because you kind of said that you're being vague, but I, I got what you're trying to say, so I'm gonna try to like break it down, and then you can tell me if I'm. If I'm right or yeah, if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But Go I think ahead. what you're trying to say is that you have to have a lot of work to your name and a lot of content, and you yeah, have to, you gotta have you a catalog. Have, yeah, and that doesn't and, necessarily mean a recognizable. Like if you're if you're in a room and you can press play, mm-hmm. like what you're about to play gotta be like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So you gotta have catalog. That's a good word. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you gotta have someone on the inside who can vouch for you and co-sign you to bring you into those rooms yeah yeah but not even not even just that like your your work is at the caliber of level that somebody would be willing to co-sign yeah 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 okay so okay yeah so that's a good uh, distinction to make that respect respect as with your craft people respect your craft and the key thing you see for respect, and I've, I've, I've even found this like in my field, and I'm sure it's the same thing in the music industry, is mm-hmm. the consistency, bro. You got to yeah. be consistent, and people have to see that you're doing the work. Oh, 100%. Do, even, work. Do, you know, do you know one thing I know that helps a lot as well, bro? And, you know, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, no problem. The, the, one, the one thing I... You know, when, you know when I post beats on Instagram? Those are like commercials. You know what I mean? The, the the new the new sprite commercial that comes out like that's what that is and what that what that does is it sparks a it sparks a a trigger in people's memories like people, when certain people are following you on Instagram you post post certain beats and they 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 get to see that shit and they're like oh yo that is actually fire you get hit with a DM yo I'm looking for stuff for so and so's album or you get hit with a yo you know, it comes across somebody new follows you, next producer follows you, you start listening to that sh- that sh- fire. They're like, yo, I got the samples, I got, I got the beat, I got the beat, send me samples. Da, 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 da. I got I'm working on this, I'm working on that. That's what happens in the DMs, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One you, those those inst- like being visible on Instagram is major, major, major. It's the awareness, bro. That's yeah, what Visib- you're, yeah. Yeah, visible, the visibility, bro. the awareness. Yeah, that's exactly what it is because they start to associate with you that every time they watch your story, mm-hmm. they always they always see you making beats. They always see you putting out content, right? Yeah. So now anytime your name comes up, oh, that's a dude that makes beats. He's always making beats. And then if they ever decide to actually look into your catalog or look into the work that you do, it's like you have a full body of work there. Mm-hmm. And you know that, and that I'll give you an example. One of these beats that I had posted that me and I think Jonathan and Tiggy had done, and I got hit up with a phone call the other the other week. Um, it was A and R from Def Jam. They're like, "Yo, LL Cool J is looking for for stuff for his album. Can you can you send some stuff in?" And you know, I'm giving you this call because. Uh, one of one of the guys that works at the label remembered the one of the beats that you did on Instagram, and he said this that beat would be perfect for it. Can I send it in? And I was like, yeah. So it's like Instagram, a beat that I had posted maybe I would say at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay, that's getting, amazing, bro. Yeah, but it's stuff like that that like Instagram can can help with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, and that's a, that that's a really good look for you. Obviously, I speak to the level of talent and consistency. Yeah. That you well, whether craft, whether that lands on the album is a different story. Obviously, that um, yeah, some yeah. things are outside of your control. But just the fact that the person knew to call you and to reach out to you, yes, it, it means like that's a win in and of itself, and you should take it as a win because that means that it's a business opportunity essentially. Yes. 
Yeah, and it means that your name is being mentioned in rooms that you don't even know about. Yeah. So for someone to pick up the phone and call you, that's a very personable thing, right? Mm-hmm. So there obviously was a conversation that must have taken place that your name came up, that that person felt it was worth making that call to you. Yep, exactly. So that's a big victory for you. And yes. You can't control whether or not it makes it onto the album, but the fact that yeah. that's even happening, you should take that as a W, bro. Oh, all all day, every day. Those are the kind yeah. of things. That's that's. I want that to the, my like five year goal is to have that on, on autonomously. You know what I mean? Those phone calls. Can I get you booked in for this session at with so and so at this time? Can I get you booked in for this session with so and so at that time on th- on this date? You know, I like I like having my calendar look like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you'll get there, bro. Yeah, you know, with the work sure. and the consistency that you're doing, I have I have zero doubts that you'll get there. So I'm gonna give you an open floor. So this is a thing where I just give the guests an opportunity to just say or include whatever it is that they want to put out there to the audience. So the floor is yours. Is there anything that you want to mention or say to the audience? Yo, I would just want to say I appreciate you having me on the show, bro. And you know, I can't. Wait for you to, yeah. One thing I love about you, bro, is that you've always followed your own path, bro. And I can't wait for you to continue like growing, growing this platform, growing everything that you're doing, even with your writing and stuff like that. But it's the same thing I would wish for myself. What I wish for you is I wish for myself at the same time, you know. I just keep winning, bro. And then, then I want the same thing for my Knicks. <laughs> Tell them to get Zion, bro. Bro, oh, hey, Mal, hey, it's looking, it's looking, he don't look too happy over there. His family trying to say he ain't happy over there, bro. And then, bro, he, he just needs to come to the Knicks. It's inevitable. So Do you see how it. happy he get when he talk about them? Bro, his boy's on there, RJ Barrett. Bro, I can't wait. If I, yo, I need that in my life. But you know, at least the Knicks got to the playoffs this year. So yeah. that's a stepping stone for them because I don't even think they were projected to even be in the playoffs. Yeah. Obi Toppin looking good. Mitchell Robinson gonna come back. That Julius. team would be a that team you would know. be a problem, bro. Telling you. Yeah. Andy Rose. Woo. But uh one thing bench. go ahead. Yeah, but one thing I do want to say to what you said earlier. Yeah. Because I can say from the time that I've met you and known you all until now, even with like every part of your journey. So the wins and the struggles that we're not going to get into, but you've always remained consistent as a person and on your passion. Well. You, you've never switched up. So that's Appreciate one thing that's, so that's one thing that I really respect about you. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful to have uh, someone like you in my circle. So no, likewise, bro, the same thing you said about me is the same thing I say about you. And that's why I always got time for you, bro. Appreciate you, bro. Much love, bro. Anytime yeah. for you, dog. Thank you, bro. I'll get you. I'll, I'll get you back on soon, bro. Yes, sir. Yep, my dog. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, bro. Thank you for listening to the Wire to Wire podcast. Be sure to share and subscribe. Appreciate the support. Until next time. <laughs>